The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. Uh, man, it's been a good series. We've been studying Luke chapter 15 and walking through just God's thoughts of how He, how he longs to connect with us. And before we get into all that we're going to talk about, I want to kind of context and frame up two uh, additional verses that are going to go, coincide with what we're talking about. And I want to read those real quick. John chapter 14, verse 2. It says, In my Father's house there are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, come on, that's good, that you are being thought of, that God, as he's building, he's building with you in mind. The second verse that I think is equally uh, important, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. See, here's the thing. I, Based on your background, you know, you, you may have been in a church that did a lot of doctrine in, in your background. Or you may have been in a church that didn't do a lot of doctrine. The reality is this. It is important for us to learn what is true. We're in a culture that songs, movies, opinions, everything is belief-based. And so people think, well... This is what I believe. This is what you believe. And so there are really no absolutes to any of our opinions. It's just kind of, you know, it's just kind of whatever you feel or whatever you believe. Well, here's the problem with that, that thought is there are absolutes. There are absolutes. And it is, it is the world sometimes that confuses those absolutes. You think about it this. Well, I don't know what the tallest building in Rogers is, but if you jumped off that building and you called the concrete marshmallows, uh, if you called the concrete uh, pillows or a pool, or you called it whatever soft, it doesn't matter what you call it. If you jump off the top of the highest building and fall into those marshmallows, you're going to die. <laughs> and so the reality is we try to mess with terminology all the time, but there is truth. And that truth is something that we come in line with. It doesn't come in line with us. So here's the concept. Well, why am I a Christian? Because I believe it. That, that, or why, why is Christianity true? It's because I believe it and I feel like, you know, it connects with me. Okay, well, I understand that. But people could say the same thing about Coke and Pepsi. Well, I like that because I really, I don't know, I just feel like Coke is better than Dr. Pepper. It's kind of pruning. It's kind of, I don't know. You know the reality is if we're not careful, we fit under it. It doesn't assimilate to our life. In the, U the U.S. has a, a department of standards, and so they have measurements. And in these measurements, they have a whole division that is kept to make sure an inch stays an inch. You know what I'm saying? That, that a mile is a mile. That, and, and so that way, we, this is what we can know emphatically, this is a mile. Well, the reality is this. The reason that we have that department is because when we try to build and do measurement, we measure to a true standard. 
it is important for us as believers to take doctrine, assimilate it into our life. The doctrine doesn't save you, but it does provide parameters for you to live and grow a godly life. And so we don't take concepts and go, because I believe it, because then what we do is we rush and roulette the Bible. We take what we want. We don't take what we want. We spin whatever applies to us. We believe this word is inherent. And so we submit to it. It doesn't submit to us. That's foundational for believing. Now, over the last few weeks, we have seen an incredible picture of God's love. You know, at the birth of our children, I remember all four of our kids being born and, and this incredible responsibility. You know, I was so excited and, you know, my wife was into like talk to the tummy, touch the tummy, read to the tummy, all of this. It was, it was an awkward phase for me. Um, and so um, I cannot say that I always loved it, but I did it. Um, and so because she's connected, she's holding the baby. I'm not necessarily connected other than I, I can't wait for the baby to come out so that I can teach it everything I want it to know right now. Because I, I really didn't have that father moment. You know, I, I, my father was in and out of my life and he did the best he could, but, but I wanted to do so much better. So I could not wait for our kids to be born because I had some things I wanted to teach them. I wanted to, you know, concepts, how the world works, how painful, how strong. I, I just had all these concepts. It's teaching. Don't spit into the wind. I had concepts, deep <laughs> concepts that I wanted to download to my children. And they come out small. And they can't do anything. And then four months and, and, the, and everybody's clapping because they, 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 they roll over or they sit up. And I'm like, I expected much more from you. <laughs> And then you have to learn how to hold a baby. And it's like, people are like, you know, they, they don't know that they're freaking you out because people who have experienced taking care of babies, talking to someone who hasn't had babies, watch their head. Okay, is it going to fall off? What's going to, I mean, it's, just, it's like, is it not connected well? When does it form? Why, why are you saying that to me? I feel so much pressure. You know, it's just like, you know, and so I'm like suffocating the child. They're like, <laughs> you know. And my baby's like, my wife's like, it's too hard, it's too hard, it's too hard. Listen, this head is not falling off on my watch. You know, but then, and then you start petting them or, you know, kind of grooming or, or touching the head. Watch the soft spot. I'm like, ah, how hard can I? That's all subjective. What if my heart is bigger than your heart? And what if your soft is bigger than my How do I know? You know? <laughs> and so there were all these thoughts about child having to be a father. And all I wanted to do was teach concepts. And, and, I, and, and, and I remember just beginning to start having a father's heart. And um, I realized that as excited as I was for the opportunity and as humble as I was that I, I got to parent, I was incredibly flawed. I, I was. I just wasn't a perfect dad. There were times when I, I, I said things that I wished I said, shouldn't have said, or I did something I wished I shouldn't have done. And you're not supposed to be laughing at this moment. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and the reality is, there's been many times that I've had to apologize. Just, man, I, I blew it, bro. 
I'm sorry. You know, and, and, and thinking about a father's heart. You know, a father's heart is more than just, you know, loving, compassion, intentionality. It's more than just being approachable. It's more than just training. And as we talk today about the father's heart, you know, I, I remember as well, there was one time um, the kids were really little. And, and I don't know if you've ever gone over to someone's house that is incredibly meticulous. And, and you're like, you're not. And so you don't realize how bad your kids are until you go somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? Like the kids are just hanging out. They're hanging out. And we're like doing life. And it's not bad. It's not bad. But then you go over to someone else's house and they know where the right fork is. You know, and it's like... Oh, we got a lot to learn. You know what I mean? And so I remember I went to, 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 to one house. A couple invited us over, and our kids were really, really small. Like, Trevor was like three. And so it was, it, we went to this house, and like everything had a place. And so it was like, we, we, you know, we put down the sippy cup. Oh, let, let me get that for you. Okay. And then like, after a while, it was like, ah, walking around, don't, don't touching anything. And so our kids, you know, they eat full face. And so, you know, jelly is everywhere. And, and the person is so polite, but they're like, here, okay, let me have you. In fact, let me wipe his mouth for you. You know what I mean? Okay. And, 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 and there was this one time when he was running and kind of chasing a dog. And my, uh, my oldest son, I'm not going to tell you who he is, but, but he, <laughs> he ran through the glass door and broke his nose. I mean, he was excited. He was chasing this dog, and okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that there was blood, and 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 they were as nice as they could be, but they were like, "Y'all need to clean that." You know, it was very, they, they were very nice, very nice. And and I don't know, but there's no place like home. Like, don't you feel a little bit more security in your own bed, in your own home? You know what I'm saying? You got your own carpet. It's your carpet. It may not be the best carpet, but it's yours. You know, you take your socks off, and you don't. Fit. It's it's yours. And I think that as we talk about what we're going to talk about today, my assignment is there's no place like home. And and, and as we talk about a story that everybody knows. Everybody knows the prodigal son. And we're in the part of Luke, chapter 11 through 32, that everybody's heard this story. But here's the thing. If we're not careful, we'll focus more on the sons than we will on the father. Because the story is really about the father and how the father's love changed the scene in the relationship. And so I want to talk about it and I want to look at it. Let's read this right here. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And I know this is a lot, so stay with me. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a portion of the goods that fall to me. And so he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered together and journeyed far, to a far-off country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Okay, he got turned up. All right, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Should have spent your money. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he went into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him 
anything. No one gave him anything. Keep going. But when he came to himself, that, that's an important point. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare it that I perish with hunger? I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. It's interesting that Jesus is the one communicating this. And he rose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and, bring, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet. Let's keep going. And bring the fatted calf here, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this was my son, who dead and is alive again, and he is lost and now found. And they began to be merry. They began to party, okay? Merry, party, party, merry. Now, his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house and heard the music and the dancing. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? The roof, the roof. <laughs> and so he called one of his servants and asked, what, What's going on? What's happening? He said, Come. He said to him, your brother has come because he has received him safe and sound. Your father has killed the fatted calf, but he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. And so he answered and said to his father, hey, I don't know, low. <laughs> hey, for all these years, I've been serving you and never transgressed your commitment at any time. And yet you gave you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry party with my friends. But as soon as your this son of yours, oh, this son of don't even call him by name, not my brother, you know what I'm saying? Not not, not Joseph, not Jack, not Ed, your son, <laughs> who devoted your livelihood with harlots. Okay. Went out and spent money on some prostitutes, on some hoes. <laughs> the reality is, sometimes I think when we read the Bible, you know, we want to say nice things. Oh, harlots. But the reality is, this guy demanded his dad's provision and spent it all. <laughs> look here, look at this. Look at this. And you killed the fatted calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that you should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is found again. He was lost, and now he's found. I want to walk through this as we talk today. Because the gravity of this text demands that we stop and take a breath. Because while there are a lot of verses, the story of the prodigal son is one of the most taught, most read stories in the whole Bible. And in spite of the, the, the incredible insight that we can glean from this scripture, the context has a lot of meat in it. 
And today I want to unpack four reasons to be in the Father's house. Four reasons that we are to be in the Father's house. The first is this. It's the only place where you can really thrive. The first is this. It's the only place that you can really thrive. Now, I want to break this story down. This, this family was a Jewish family. It was a Jewish family. And in Proverbs, there had been established that a good father gives an inheritance to his children. It says in Proverbs 13, 22, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children and their children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. In other words, there was this tradition of, of fathers making money and sending it and giving it to their sons, their children, and their children's children. But basically what happened is this son went up to his father and said, I demand it now. Now what we need to understand is this usually only happened when the father died. So the son was basically saying, I am done with a relationship with you. I want freedom from your house. And really, I want my stuff dropped in. That's what he was saying. He was, he was brash and bold and arrogant and rebellious. I can't imagine how his father felt in that moment. See, and some of you may think, well, how does that really, that doesn't, that doesn't really affect me. I wouldn't go up to God and say, hey, God, give me some money. But the reality is this. Every one of us were born with gifts and talents. And God has given you great things of great value. And if we're not careful, we will go out away from a relationship with God and try to use those talents and those gifts to promote ourselves. That's basically what this man wanted. Think about it. We have people who have the gift of communication, gift of selling, gift of compassion, gift of compartmentalization, gift of systems, gift of... I mean, there are a thousand gifts and talents that are in all of us. But if we're not careful, we will turn our back and leave the Father's house and go out and use all of our abilities that were given to us to build the kingdom of God to build ourselves, to build ourselves. If we think about this, listen, it's amazing. This son basically says, dad, drop dead, I want my, I want my stuff. Then he gives it to him, and the Bible says quickly he goes and liquidates all of his assets, has cash, and goes out and heads out. He begins to head out, and he begins to, to spend all of his money. Can you imagine, as we look at this, there's a scripture verse that says that sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end it's destruction. Can I tell you this? A lot of times we freak out about the word sin, but really it means selfishness and separating and living with, with what gratifies you. So here's a better way to say it. Selfishness that only gratifies you and makes you the primary target only works for a little while because it will eventually destroy all of your relationships and all of the people in your life. That's the reality. You find someone who is, who is bent on being selfish, I can tell you it may feel great to sleep in, go do whatever you want to do for a season, but after that season is over, it will hurt your relationships. It just will. As we look at this, it's funny. 
you can make money. You can grow. You can use your talents. You can do all of this. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we will forget and we will think that we can thrive in another place other than the house. Listen, it may go well for a minute. You may make some money. You may even be momentarily happy. But it won't last for long. Because the reality is you thrive in the house. This young man, let's look at his progression. He was selfish. He acted quickly. He wanted everything now. He separated himself from the right people. And he began to make bad decisions. And I see this all the time. I see this progression all the time. We have a selfish moment. And then we act quickly to something. And then look at this. We want everything right now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to process. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. In other words, you don't get everything now. There, God only moves in steps. He does not move in leaps. But when we want everything right now, that's because that's this guy was young. Yeah. See, I want it all right now. Then... Because of that, it moved him away from right relationships. People who wanted to speak into his life. People who cared about him. And then he started hanging around with other people. And it's amazing. There was a culture that was giving to him. But then there was another culture that was taking from him. And they were there until it was all gone. Oh yeah, I love you. To you out of money. Oh yeah, I'm with you until you stop doing what we're doing or you stop buying what we're buying or you stop doing it. Does that make sense? This culture was life-giving and this culture was taking. You can only thrive in the house. Listen, as we talk about this, it's so funny. There's no place like home. I'm not trying to steal a line from Dorothy or Toto, but the reality is there's no place like home. What's even more interesting to me is this, is this Jewish man who was raised with clean and unclean is now serving pigs. So the swine was seen as unclean. And what's amazing to me is that he, because of his choices, began to serve what was unclean. How bad do you have to get where the pig's slop looks good. I don't know about you, but do you ever like, when you see a commercial on TV and you're watching the Food Network channel late at night, you're, 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 and, and, or when people eat, I have this weird habit, this, and, and it's kind of a, a thing, but when, 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 my, when I see someone eat, I eat with them. <laughs> I know you may think I'm weird, but like my kids, when, when, when they're eating and I'm not eating, I'm like, they're like, mm, and, over, and I'll be a distance away going. <laughs> and my wife makes fun of me. She's like, why do you do that? I don't even know I'm doing it. It's like, I don't know, I'm living vicariously through their tongue. I don't know. It's like, I want to taste what they're tasting. I don't, I, I'm, maybe I'm hungry and I didn't know it. But, but my, I will... I will eat as they're eating. It's so weird. I don't know why I do it. But, but the reality is... How good does slop have to look for you to go? <laughs> the reality is in this verse, it says that the pods were attractive and looked good to him. Are you going to eat all that? Piglet, you going to eat all that? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, just can we hold him back a little? Oh, so good. So, I mean, the reality, I've, I've, I, I have walked away from some things that are not good. Come on, Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Brussels sprouts, the devil is a lie. <laughs> you have a Brussels sprout farm. Okay, don't take that personal. Don't send me an email. But I'm just probably not going to eat Brussels sprouts if you bring them next Sunday night. <laughs> but the reality is... The pods, the, the, can you imagine the flies all over it? It was three or four days old, and he's like, man, mm, that's some, man. Listen, don't you know that what, when you, when you leave the Father's house, everything that, you, that you're taking in, that you're eating, is way, way, way past seconds or thirds or fourths. Mm. See, here's the thing. It's important for us to read this text because as a Christian parent, we tend to think that if we do everything right, our kids will be great. And the reality is this. That is a deception. It's a deception. Because now I'm not saying that we don't... That obviously, that our kids become what we model that, that that happens that happens there's some things that my kids do and i'm like oh that's me and, and and if you have kids you know that you know that but but we're intentional we, we're trying to train and teach and the bible says that and i'm not trying to discourage but i am saying that you adults are here because of desire your children are here because of, de of a demand See, you already went out and tried it another way, and you're here because there was a transformation, a change, like this young man, an awakening moment, and you decided, I'm coming to church, and I'm going to be in church, but your kids have not grown up with that tension yet. They have to be here. My kids have to be in children's church or youth group. They have to be here on the front row. They're growing in this culture, but the reality is there is going to be a moment where they're going to say, is that right? Is that right? And so here's two verses that I want you to see. The first is this. As we look at this, it's important for us to see. And I thought I had this here, but it's in Isaiah. It says the word does not come back void. In other words, when you plant it, that seed is working even in moments of rebellion. That seed is working. And, I, and so I'm not saying, well, some of you are like, well, I don't believe that. Well, here's what the Bible says. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, it says this. Do we have that? It says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Understand the word old is not young. See, a lot of people have left church because I did everything right. I tried to do what God told me to do. I did everything the pastor told me. And then my kids rebelled and they challenged the process. And so they leave hurt, 
by the Lord because it didn't work out. But can I tell you, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say when they're young. It says when they're old, those seeds that you plant, the word will not come back void and it will start to plant and there will be a conviction that happens in them as they're out looking at swine, talking about, "Mm, man, your food look good. There's going to be a revelation moment that happens and they're going to go, what am I doing? What am I doing? I need to go back. I need to go. Why am I here? Why am I? I, I, I got pods and piggy butts and I've, I, 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 I've, I've, I've got to go. I can't be here. I'm not from here. This is not who I Come on, somebody. This is not who I am. God has got a calling on my life. I'm not this person. I've got to move. I've got to get back to where I'm supposed to be. Way too many parents give up in this moment. And can I tell you this, your job is to teach, train, model, forgive, love. And you trust the word. We'll come back and be right. The second thing is this. We're talking about there's no place like home. The second is this. He has what you're searching for. He has what you're searching for. It's important for us to realize that this young man was searching for something. He wanted something, and he thought, if I can get my money now, if I can go out, if I can buy it, even if it's temporary, if I can go get it, I'm searching, I'm longing for something. But really, what you're searching for is in the house. It's interesting that he says, my father has enough. My father has enough. In other words, maybe, maybe what I grew up in isn't all that bad. Maybe I had a wrong perspective of it. Maybe I didn't understand it. But here's what I do understand. With all of the junk of the people that I grew up around. Come on. This younger man's thinking about the family and the servants and the people and all the issues and all the whatever. And grew up. And maybe he grew up in this thing and realized... <laughs> This, 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 this is not so special. This is not so special. You're not so special. That's not so special. You're not so special. So I'm going to leave it. But then when he found out what the world was like, oh my gosh, maybe it's really special. You know what? Come to, come to realize they had joy and, and none of you do. Mm-hmm. Come to realize they forgive and, and, and none of you do. Mm-hmm. They're content and, and, and none of you are. Yeah. They're fed and we're starving. They help me, and no one here will help me at all. Maybe it wasn't that bad in the house. You hear what I'm saying? Maybe it wasn't that bad in the house. The Father has enough, and there is a huge revelation here as we see it. Listen, I don't know what you're searching for. I don't know what you're desiring. I don't know what you're seeking. But be careful not to look to the right or to the left. What are you searching for? Are you searching for approval? Are you searching for achievement? Are you searching for adventure? Are you searching for an apology? Are you searching to, are you, what are you searching for? Because everybody after a while begins to search for something. And it's not there. It'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. God has given you a calling on your life. And if you want to see it come into fruition, you've got to be by the Father. Mm-hmm. Number three is this. You're always welcome. Four reasons to be at the Father's house. You're always 
welcome. Have you gone into homes where you felt like totally welcomed? Like every time you walk in, they're like hugging you. You know, I remember going up to a few friends when I was in college and, and, and high school, and the parent would like overwelcome me. Are you hungry? Do you want something to eat? Do you want something to and after a while, it was like, whoo, I'm good. You know, because it was like they wanted to serve, serve, welcome, welcome. We want you here. As we look at this text, I want us to see something that I find very interesting. And for those of you who are with us all through these series, the first series in this welcome home, this first teaching in our welcome home was this. We talked about never forgetting how God never forgets us. And, and the first part of Luke talks about Jesus being the good shepherd who goes to the sheep. And listen, the point is this. This good shepherd goes when we're straying. And, and the good shepherd goes and he picks up the sheep yeah. and the sheep surrenders and he brings them back to the fold. Look at, and the whole point of the first message was when we stray, God will find us. Mm -hmm. The second part was this. It was talking about a woman sweeping her house who lost a coin and, 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 and it was about falling. And it talks about how basically the woman is, is like a type and shadow of the church. And how if you'll come, you'll sweep up. God will clean up your life. And here's the deal. If you've fallen, God sends someone. It's amazing to me is this. The, the father never runs to go find the son. You know, I watch Sesame Street, so I get this kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, which one doesn't belong? You know the song. You know, so I, so I'm, I, I, I see things like that. But the reality is this. Jesus went. The woman went. But the father didn't. Jesus went. The woman went. But the father didn't. And here's the difference. Here's what I believe happens in this text. Is there is a difference between strain and falling and outward rebellion that says, I do not want any more relationship with you. There's a difference. The fact of the matter is we all stray and we all fall. And don't you love the fact that God was gracious enough to bring you back when you're off. Bring you back when you've, you've, you, you've missed it. You know what? You didn't want to do that. You didn't want to watch that movie. But all of a sudden you turned it on. You thought it was going to be cool. And it was toxic to your soul. And you felt like, man, I, I, I've sinned here. This is not what I need to be watching. I kind of fell. Or you know what? You were with some friends and something happened. And you know what? You, you overheard a conversation and it kind of stuck with you and then you kind of strayed a little bit it doesn't matter God is there saying no come back come back but with blatant rebellion it's different it's different see we want to tell everyone that the church should run after every rebellious person or we're not compassionate but the reality is this some people are rebelling and they need to see what's on the other side. And if you push them and if you try to run after them and if you try to bring them back, they're just going to go further. And I'm, I'm going to tell you a little story about what happened with us. Uh, I had a college student that came up here with us when we launched. I've known him for years. Been a part of pretty much everything that we've done. And uh, he came up, helped us launch, helped us do the wood wall, helped us do pretty much get set. It was like two months before the launch of the church. He comes to me and he says, I'm done. I'm done. 
I'm no longer, I don't, I don't believe. I'm no longer wanting to follow Christ. I've got some things that I'm dealing with. And I'm just letting you know that I'm going, I'm going in this direction. And it was hard, hard conversation for both of us. You know, and, and, and I remember walking through that season and, and, and here's the thing. Let me just tell you this about being a pastor because I know that you've probably known a lot of pastors. Pastoring is not easy. It's not easy because, because on, on one end, you, you have this desire, and I'm learning this really quick. Uh, you have this desire for everyone to feel loved and you want everyone to like you. And they're not. It's an unrealistic expectation. Not everybody liked Jesus. That's just the reality. But your heart breaks for everyone. Yes. The, our, our heart breaks for people. And, and the reality is I remember every time I would see this young man, and I made it intentional t- different times to see him, and I would let him know that we love him, that we care about him. I remember one time he, he waited on us, and I made sure to give him a big tip just because I wanted him to know that we were there and that we cared. About two and a half months ago, he came to the altar, repented. And here's the deal. The reason I tell you this is because there are sometimes it doesn't look like it's going to get any better for your kids, for your family members, for your dad, for your mom. But we don't give up. We do not give up on people. We continue to pray. We continue to do. And here's the thing is now this man who came and and, and wanted to help us two or three months ago, restored, now repenting, ready to serve. Now he's helping us. He's back on the dream team. He's helping us here. And I'm I'm not saying his name or giving you any of the details because I just want you to get the point and the point is this the father is always ready to welcome you home isn't it interesting how the father responds to this young man when the young man begins to come now I don't know about you but and this may surprise you but when I was a kid I got in I got in trouble a lot (laughs) I know that you're totally shocked on that and you 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 generally think what you were perfect uh, but, um, but the reality is this, I would work really hard on my excuses. I was a good excuse maker. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm talking about think it through, whiteboard. Okay, if I do this and this and this and this, I remember trying to pull it over on my mom and, and really working hard. How do you think this young man, when he was in the pods and, he, and it came to him, my dad has a bunch of food. I have to believe he started working on his, his, his redemption story. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. All right, I'm going to go to my dad. I'm going to say, hey, dad, what's up? I'm no, that's not going to work. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, and I'm going to throw myself at his mercy. I'm going to be like, your wretched son has returned. It's too big. It's too big. It's too big. Okay, so... Um, all right, I'm going to call myself a sinner, and I'm going to say, you know what, hey, you, you, listen, it's cool. Just make me a servant. Just, I mean, okay, I, I like that. That feels good. That feels good. All right, cool. And so he's rehearsing what he's doing as he's walking. I'm rehearsing. Okay, so what are you going to when, when the first time I see him, what, is he going to talk? Am I going to talk? Am I going to hug him? Should I hug him? Should I uh, brace? No, that might be too much. All right, I'm just going to fall down on my knee. Okay, I got it, got it, got it. And as he's walking towards his property, 
His dad is looking for him. I don't know if you got that in that story, but it says that he was looking for him and he began to run. And then it gets, it gets very relational, very intimate. His dad embraces him and begins to kiss him on the neck. And it is, it, 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 it is, it is deep. It's like, wow. It's like, you know, the last 30 minutes of the movie where you're like, oh my God, it's okay. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's ugly cry scene. Here's what I want you to see in this. I find it interesting that the dad says, get a robe, get a ring, and get sandals. Why would he say that? The reality is, the reason he said get a robe is because he wanted his son to know that instantly my mercy is going to cover you. I'm going to cover you with my mercy. Listen, we're not going to talk about what you should have done or what I should have done. I'm just going to cover you. I'm going to cover you with my mercy. And then he puts a ring on his finger. And what was the ring signal? Why was that important? Because a ring represented authority. And he said, I'm putting you back where you belong. And why did he put sandals on his feet? Because in that culture, the only one to have shoes were sons. People of the house, sons and daughters, servants didn't have them, slaves didn't have them, but sons had shoes. In other words, my mercy will cover you. I am putting you right back where you will instantly when you repent. There's not this process. I don't have to work to get back in your good graces. Instantly, right now, you have the authority of the believer in your life. Yes, that's right. And the third thing is this. You're my son. You're my daughter. You belong when people look at you, you're part of the family. We want to welcome you back home. Come on, somebody, that's good. Yeah. 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 The last is this, is there's life in the Father's house. There's life in the Father's house. You know what? The party started. Everything happened. Man, we're killing fatted calves. We're having barbecue like we're about to do. You know, it's going to be great. You should come. But the reality is this. Check this out. Is the son began to realize there's laughing and joy. And my brother, he's a little weird, but, but over here, there's nobody and lack and pain and deception and takers. In the house is where it's life giving. You cannot do life by yourself. And here's what I want you to know. Here's what the biggest thing that I want you to know from today is I find it interesting that the father did not go to the rebellious son, but he did go to the second son. And, I, and for years I've been so hard on the second son. Well, that religious, well, that, well, how could he not be excited when someone, and I really, you know, I, I thought about it a lot and I just don't see people in church do that. I, I, when people get saved, people are generally excited for them. So, so here's what I think happened. The reason the father went to the second son is because he strayed. And he gave us a model. I go to the strayed and I go to the fallen. 
and the rebellious I'll wait and I will wait for you, and I will run to you, and listen, and I love the, the story, because we read it really fast, but I don't know if you got this, but while the son begins to communicate all of his failure and all of his sin, the dad says, almost interrupts him, and says, bring this, bring this, bring this, start the party, get the cooking going, light up the barbecue, baby, we about to get And the kid's like, well, well, but I have this great excuse. I have this, I have this, I have this great thing. I need to, I've really rehearsed this, Father. I don't need to know. I don't need to hear you're sorry because I watched it coming up over the hill. Because you left and you didn't want anything to do with me. And now when you walked back, I knew what that meant. There, we don't need to say anything. Just come. Just come. I love you. I have a plan for your life. There's value. There's something in you. God has a plan for your life. It's very, very awesome to see God's love. To the older brother, listen, you're strained. Let me explain to you. He was lost, and now he's found. He was out. And now he's in. And son, I need you to get back in where you belong. Because we waited on this one. Now you're straying. Come on back in. And here's what I want to know. I don't want to be judgmental of people who come to our church. I don't. Some people will come here strayed. Some people will come here fallen. And some people will be in a moment of rebellion. But everybody's welcome into the house because we're going to throw some parties and we're going to see God be honored and we're going to see the enemy be scattered. There's no place like home. You guys stand up with me. As we talk here, on a side note, a couple weeks ago I was like, man, I'm really going late. But then I remember we started 50 minutes later. <laughs> Where you at? Welcome home. Come back in. Come back in. God is waiting to embrace you. God is waiting to take all of that stuff, all of that junk off of you. It, it, it doesn't need to be there. He cares about you. The young man that came back, and began to serve. Here's what it was necessary for him because it became his faith and not his parents and not his cultures. It's necessary sometimes to test. That way we know what we're submitting to. You parents, I want to take off all the pressure of you having to raise perfect kids because you can't. But you can put something in their heart that'll change their life. All you college students, look at me. I know it's easy for you to be having your own schedule, your own freedom, and it's okay. But can I tell you, when you stray, you need to come back. You need to listen to the Lord. When you fall, you need to come back. Don't get out there and have a moment that you don't need and it's not necessary in your relationships, in your friendships. Come on, God has a plan for your life. All of us older people, 
be careful. Life is not about doing good. We're not trying to be good people. We're trying to submit to the Father and live in His house and build what He's doing. And so real quick, Kelsey, sing this for me. Come on, guys. Come on. Welcome home. Someone's got to come home. It's time. It's time. Come on, you've been running. You know you're called to the ministry, but you've been running. You know what? You're upset. You're mad. You're frustrated. You're walking in unforgiveness. You know what? You're in sin. Some things are happening. Compromise. Come on, it's time. It's time. I got to come home. I got to come home. Distracted by the stuff going on in your world. In the Father's house is where there's fullness of joy. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, guys. There's life in the Father's house. There's life in His house. for you I don't know if you're here today and you 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 were the story that I just talked about the reality is we've all been that I've been that my wife's been that we've been that that's why there's no judgment here but the reality is this it is false to think that you can live life any other way than in his house Come on, what bondage, what mental stuff, what, what, what things are there that are causing you, causing you, you harm? Let's be free. Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at The House, follow us on social media at The House underscore NWA.